one of the coaches like, what, how, do, how could you relate high school strength and conditioning to us? And I said, okay. I said, this is the best way to do it, to relate it to college coaches. Take, I said, put the absolute positively worst athlete you have ever coached at the collegiate level. You're the worst one. The worst. Have you got it in your mind? He said, yeah. That's my best. Now program for that. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going on into the episode, I want to thank our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA, or internship opportunity, or even live discussions. They are a resource that young coaches need to take advantage of. I will put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16-plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze the data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. So please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and even share this podcast with a fellow coach or a fellow in iron. I'm your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach at Bolivar Central High School. I am with Tobias Jacoby, uh, 2018 NHSSCA Strength Coach of the Year and head strength coach over at Strong Rock Christian School. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. I kind of did a little bit, but let him kind of elaborate more uh, about himself. Awesome. Well, first off, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I, uh, it's always neat to see different coaches and, and the endeavors in which they take. And as somebody who's been in the profession for a while, uh, I enjoy seeing young coaches grab the bull by the horns and, and, and doing something like you're doing. So, I appreciate the opportunity to share. My story is uh, one of many dips, uh, dips, dives, uh, a lot of trial and error. Um, I am in my 20, I can't remember if, uh, year in the profession. I spent 15 years coaching at the collegiate level. Now I've spent, this is going on my ninth, I'm eight and a half years now uh, at Strong Rock Christian School. A, you know, I spent the first 15 years kind of chasing my tail in the, the profession, just like a lot of young coaches do, bouncing around. In those 15 years, I had seven different jobs, uh, was hired, was fired, uh, got promoted, uh, made the right steps, uh, and, and had a blast. Um, but when the opportunity presented itself to make the transition to the high school level, uh, I jumped at it, and, and it was multiple reasons, my family, uh, the area was from, uh, and then the opportunity to get it back into faith-based education was something that I truly enjoyed and relished. And so when I made that decision eight and a half years ago now, I, uh, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And so it's, it's been a great ride. I wouldn't change it for the world. I think the high school level is the opportunity for a strength coach to have the biggest impact long-term. And, you know, it's something that I am very, very happy I made the decision I did when I did uh, because I have a great situation where I work. I'm truly, truly blessed to be with great people, with great children, and have unbelievable support where I am. I have all the letters you could think of after your name. Um, you know, I'm not a, as crazy as it sounds, those things are important, yes. And I, and I saw your post the other day uh, about your exam. And those are important pieces to have. But as I've, I've made my journey as a strength and conditioning coach, I've recognized those aren't the end-all be-alls to our profession. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times people look at that that way. Uh, however, um, I'm certified by the NSCA, the CSCSD, I have my RSCCE, 
certified by USA Weightlifting, TPI, certified by uh, USA Track and Field. And, you know, it's definitely, I've got all of that, but I also understand that it's more important the time on the floor of anything as far as what makes a really a great strength and conditioning coach. Um, when I was a part of the NHSSCA, uh, I was actually the lead on what we, they defined as a qualified high school strength and conditioning coach. And that was a project that was uh, collaborated upon by probably, I think I ended up having about 33 different coaches around the country on. And it led me down the path of, of really seeing it's a combination of certification and education, but experience as well. And that's what makes a, a qualified strength and conditioning coach. I'm sorry, I jumped off on a little tangent there. Um, but, uh, you know, my journey has been um, amazing, absolutely amazing. And I am truly, truly blessed to be to be where I am now. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And you're over at Strong Rock with uh, Gary. He's an athletic director, I believe. Yes. Right about a year ago, 365 days, a little, little more. Uh, I knew our athletic director was going to retire at the end of this upcoming school year. And I had always envisioned Strong Rock Christian School as we are a private Christian school. I had kind of always envisioned our athletic director role maybe a little bit differently than some others. And I thought that obviously that background in Christian education is huge. Uh, but again, being a private school, it's vital that we have someone with the understanding of how to market and how to promote our programs the right way. It really was a no brainer to me in the respect of uh, Gary having the sales experience with play and then obviously 20 years in Christian education at Greater Atlanta Christian. And so uh, I've cultivated a really great relationship with our CEO, head of school, and he and I were talking and it came up in conversation. And he said, you know, is there anybody that you would, because he basically asked me if I was interested. And I said, no, I, I know my role. I know I'm comfortable, really comfortable in my own skin. I know what I'm good at, and what I'm not. Uh, and maybe that's because of, you know, one of the topics we talked about is a lot of the mistakes I've made. But I knew that right now where I am as a coach, as a person, as a man, as a husband, as an employee, that would not be a good role for me. So he said, okay, do you know of anybody? And I said, you know what? I, I kind of do. And I, I started you know, the introduction process and probably December of last year, there was a, uh, we went out to dinner and just so happened our CEO and head of school and principal were there and we all ate and talked and, you know, if you know Gary, he's going to blow you away uh, as far as stuff like that. And it just really, it, it made sense. It made sense for everybody in the respect of, I knew there was, he, he had a passion for Christian education. I knew he had a passion for being around coach kids. And that was something at play that he just didn't have the opportunity to. He, he, he had the, the joy of being around coaches, but if you've been in the weight room for any amount of time, you're going to want to, to be a part of a program. And so when everything transpired, like I said, about 365 days ago, it worked out where we ended up bringing him on this year is a, kind of a, we brought him in on at the tail end of last school year as our associate athletic director. And that's what he is will be for this year. And he's kind of learning the ropes, learning our culture, learning how we do things, evaluating uh, all our coaches, evaluating me. Um, and, and it's been nothing but positive to be honest with you, where we are going as a, as a school, as an athletic director, or as an athletic department, as strength conditioning selfishly is, is, is any direction but up. Uh, the neat thing is I get to work with my best friend. Also, he helps me in, my, in the class. Uh, I would be an idiot to not ask him to help in the weight room. So 
he helps me during the summers with my larger groups. I did that this past summer. He helps me with my biggest class, which is actually my young kids. And it's an opportunity for him to connect with kids again and coach. So he's coaching again. Uh, we're doing our uh, off-season speed and agility stuff. Uh, I'm also not an idiot in the respect of if I have somebody who is, I, I believe is the best in the world at agility and change of direction, why would I not utilize him? I even told our kids this the other day. We went four days in the morning, three days I led things. And then the day we did agility, guess what? He did it. I'm, I'll be his assistant. I have no problem doing that. And I told our students that. And so being able to have him there, I was, I would think it was out sick one day. And I, I joked with my principal. I said, yeah, you're one, when one of your national coaches of the year is out, you just put the other one in the weight room. Uh, no other place can say that. So it, it was neat. It was funny in that respect. It, it was definitely a, uh, uh, it's definitely been an, an awesome opportunity. Now next year he will, transition into the full-time athletic director role and we'll continue to grow our athletics program uh, to what it can be. That's awesome. It's awesome to have Gary in there, you know, like you said, two, you know, national coaches of the year, strength coaches of the year in the same building. I mean, not a whole lot of places got that. Not, not even, not, there's some places that don't even have a strength coach, much right. less. Two oh. national. I mean, that's that's that that just blew that blew me away. All right, so let's get into the first segment. So, try basic tricks and tips. So, this is where you'll give us a trick or tip that you have experienced as a coach. So, this could be in the weight room, Google Sheets, field of court, um, just something to help other coaches. I think my biggest tip would be when you go to a conference or a clinic, is make sure you don't just sit there take notes and then don't follow up. You're going to a conference, a clinic, you're going to an opportunity to learn, follow up with those individuals that there's stuff that you wanna know more about, connect with them, where it really helped me for years and years, and this was really more during my college days, was I would go to events and I would take tons and tons and tons and tons of notes, but I wouldn't, I would walk home with those notes and that's about it. And I didn't really branch out and reach out to a lot of other coaches as far as what they were doing. I think some of the best learning at an event would be the hallway conversations. Take advantage of those. That would be a tip I would definitely say to a younger coach. Don't miss out on those kind of conversations because that will be, honestly, a lot of times it will either tie in the information to what you really want as far as an understanding standpoint or it's going to be something, that golden nugget that you're like, holy crap, how did I not know this kind of deal? So that would definitely be a tip there. Awesome. And I kind of remember a little bit about the NHSCA's um, summer NatCon from last year in Nashville. And Cody Hughes was one of those that presented, um, gave really good information. I think, I think two, three months after that, during the fall break of last year, uh, reached out to him. And got to do like a side visit with him. Uh, I basically, he opened up his playbook for me saying, this is what we do every single day. This is how we do X, Y, Z. This is how I track data. This is what we need to go on. Even in the big, or I guess the violations of his strength sheets. Uh, I mean, he opened up, showed me everything through there. So that's, uh, that was, I think that's a great tip for any young coach uh, going to a conference or clinic or anything like that. And especially people like Cody and I had a chance to go visit uh, Miss Kylie Feldman down in yep. uh, Father Ryan. And I mean, she's incredible as well. Absolutely open up, same thing, open up playbook. This is how I do X, Y, Z. This is how we run through a day. And I mean, it's, it's incredible, man. That's, that's such a great tip. Um, let's get into the second segment. So our heavy training topics, something that we talked about um, kind of off and on. So um, let's get into the first one. So thinking outside the box and strength and conditioning. Can I elaborate about that? Thinking outside the box, okay? I've been doing this for a long time. I've done it at multiple levels uh, as far as dealing with athletes. I've, I've coached Hall of Fame uh, football players, Super Bowl MVPs, you know, guys who've played Major League Baseball, All-Star Games and World Series and NBA guys. 
And then I've worked with seventh graders. And if you have ever worked with a seventh grader, you know that they are a challenge. Outside the box thinking is something that I think we all talk about a lot of times. But I don't know if, especially in the United States, if we truly grasp it. Currently, I am getting my master's degree at Satanta College, which is based out of Ireland. And so I have really had to, in my studies, tear down a lot of the, my mindset of thinking from a strength and conditioning standpoint. I think a lot of times outside the box thinking and what I'm, where I went with that when we talked about topics was in strength and conditioning here in the United States, it is so, and I'm the world's worst. I, I, I'm going to raise my hand on this. It is so metric driven. It is so vert, vert, broad, bench, squat, clean. How do we manipulate this? driven that a lot of times as strength and conditioning coaches we struggle to get out of our own way and for years and years and years and years and years um, I thought that way I think naturally for most strength and conditioning coaches we probably think that way um, whether it's a bench press or an FMS score or whatever metric you want you know you're whatever metric you want to evaluate. And I think just uh, being in my master's degree program and looking how overseas they look at things a little bit differently where performance is the number one key. Performance in your sport is the number one key of success. Uh, it's, it, that to me is outside the box thinking here in the United States of strength and conditioning, you know, uh, strength and conditioning, you could either draw the line back to bodybuilding or powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting uh, as far as in the United States. And that's our mindset. While overseas, uh, again, and I could be wrong, but the way I am understanding it, it's all driven back to performance. And so for me, the outside of the box thinking is what's something that I can do with our program that I may not be comfortable with, but I know is going to be, have an impact on our performance. And I think if every strength coach thought that way, as far as when they would program for their athletes, their programs probably look a lot different. If you're drawing your sets and reps and, you know, great example, the good old fashioned high school football coach, we're going to bench squat clean and deadlift. And that's what we're going to do bigger, faster, stronger, rah, rah, rah. Okay, great. But how does that, you know, how does that get you to your athletes being better performers at what they do? And I think as strength and conditioning coaches, as technology becomes more prevalent as assessment becomes more prevalent as we start to evaluate things, hopefully more globally, we start to move away from that myopic view because here's the reality. What was good 20 years ago is, you know, is it good today? Some of it may be, some of it may not. And I think as strength and conditioning coaches, we have to uh, be open enough to say, is everything that we're doing a purposeful intervention for our athletes to perform better on the field? I know one thing uh, I heard the comment. I was, uh, I went and spent some time with one of my former colleagues, coaches in college at their bowl game. And one of his assistants and him were having a conversation and, and we, he brought it up to me and he said, if you want to see how a guy programs, as a strength coach, look at their workout. Look at their own personal training, what they do from a lifting standpoint. And you will, nine times out of 10, you will, it will be very mirrored in what their kids do. Well, here's the reality. Are any of our strength coaches competing in the sports our kids are playing right now? 
Some may be, some, but most of them know. So why on God's green earth would we be doing things that we like? Is I think Buddy Morris said it one time, strength coaches do what they like. They program what they like. They don't program what they don't like. I think if you, as an outside-the-box thinker, we as coaches have to make sure, and, and, and there, I'm sure there are coaches out there that do this, but I would wager to bet more often than not, most coaches – don't necessarily program for performance as they do more for what they're comfortable with, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. So let's let's shed some light on that. So obviously I, I do programming for our school here, um, about two to three sports, and roughly – I follow the same pattern. We do a power movement with a strength movement and then kind of accessories through there. And before I even give them any of that stuff, I do it myself and see if it even works. So you're saying that, you know, more often times or not coaches program what they like. So what what would you think would be the solution for coaches that do that to help their athletes improve their performance because yes i can sit there and i can program cleans a bench and deadlifts all i want to because i like that stuff but stuff like uh change of direction uh shin angles you know stuff that maybe me particular are not that vested i mean how how do you or how do coaches i guess change that their mentality on that you know again i think it's trial and error I think what we have to do as an industry whole is really evaluate why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, you look at some of the coaches out there that post on social media that are doing some really cool things. Uh, why are they doing it? Uh, I look back and, you know, John Garrish, good friend of mine, national coach of the year last year. John does some unbelievably unique things, but guess what? Everything has a purpose. You know, the reality of things is also, I think most coaches don't necessarily understand or could articulate why they do something. Perfect example. Why do you do, why do you lift the way you do? Well, we're going to squat so we can, um, so that, you know, we're strengthening the lower body. Okay. That, that makes sense. What scientific research do you have that backs that? Well, I, I, I think there was, a, I know there was a study or, you know, why do you do one RMs? Well, or I, you know, and don't do repetition maxes. Oh, well, you know, I, the, we want to do it multiple times. Okay, great. Then what about Kramer's study in 91 that talks about absolute strength? and how it's more beneficial, and the assessment process could be significantly better for an athlete. You know, I think one of the things that strength and conditioning coaches have all, you know, done, unfortunately, is we a lot of times run from science. Because we look at, when I was coming up in the profession early on, and I'm going to tie this all back into it, I promise you I will. When I was coming up in the profession, you had the debates of, are you a hit guy? Are you a powerlifting guy? Are you Olympic weightlifting guy? Are you a bodybuilding guy? You know, that, th- those were, or girl, those were the debates as professionals that you would have. And it's changed over the years. Are you a functional training guy? Are you now a CrossFit guy? And, and all that kind of stuff. But one thing that a lot of coaches said, well, are you a scientific guy where, you're just going to look in a lab and do all the lab stuff, or are you just a, you know, a, a meathead, you know, that, and that's true. Um, I think what we've got to do as an industry is we have to embrace both sides of it. That art of coaching where you're doing a great job of connecting with athletes, where you're doing an unbelievable job of showing them the benefits of what we're doing, but at the same time that everything is evidence-based, it's scientifically rooted, and we can work together where that comes into play when we talk about that outside the box thinking 
is we have to make sure what we're doing, how we're assessing things from a science, especially nowadays in our litigious society, uh, we have to make sure that everything that we're doing can has been proven to help performance and has been proven to make sure our athletes are safe. You know, uh, I'm sure everybody saw on Twitter a couple of weeks ago the, the thing in high at the high school, and I think it was Texas, uh, uh, about the push-ups and all that. And then you talk about uh, what there was a situation that I think Concordia in Chicago, a basketball program. And we're going to see those every so often uh, as far as those issues, no doubt. And I don't want to comment on any of those specific situations because I don't believe anybody has the right to because we don't know all the dynamics. But I can say this, that if anything were to happen at my school, everything that I do would be tremendously scrutinized. And I better be able to back everything that we do up with scientific research, anecdotal research, both. I have to be able to do that. You know, in my world where somebody's paying 15, 16, 17, thousand dollars a year for their kid to come to our school guess what you better be able to provide that kind of stuff that's just reality there's no ifs ands or buts about it so i think as an industry we have to learn how to mesh that and meld that and i think being able to do that will help with that transition of getting coaches to start really evaluating thinking outside the box of of what they do uh, as far as the traditional high school strength coach. And, you know, uh, that's kind of where I was going to go with that. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think there's some coaches, and I've done this the time too, so I'll be the first one to admit it myself, that kind of blindly program. I mean, go in, all right, on the board, A1, uh, push press, A2, or B1, blah, 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 blah. I mean – Oh, I, I'll be I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. I mean, when I first got into the high school realm back in 2020, 2021, something like that. I mean, I just sat there and the only thing I knew was the essentials book and previous experience. You know, I've coached football for maybe a year and, you know, kind of got my feet wet in the profession, you know, working on my coaching skills and knowledge and everything like that. I mean, I'll be I'll be the first one to admit it. I mean, I kind of blind one in. It's like, okay, uh, I know we need a bench, we need squat, we need deadlift, we need power clean. So, do you think there's other coaches that do that now? Oh, I guarantee you there are. And here is the reality of high school strength and conditioning: every situation is unique. There are no two situations that are 100% the same, and a lot of times there's going to be even the ones that are similar, there's going to be dynamics that impact it significantly to where they, they, they won't be the same. And uh, I will admit, you know, when I first took this job, I had about three months before I started when I accepted it. And I had this great long drawn out plan of what we we're going to do and how we we're going to do it. And after about two weeks, I threw that in the garbage because I, I had no idea uh, what I was getting into. And it was me reaching out to others in the profession to really help guide me to, to be where I am today. But I will say 100% there are coaches that you will see that blindly program. And I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine yesterday in the respect of until we can, as an industry, get the recognition that high school strength and conditioning in general is a specific, unique entity, then we're going to struggle with it because you're going to have people that go into it that they may have great intentions, but they're just doing it for the stipend. And that is a reality. You know, I was talking with a coach last night, and this is where the conversation came up was, you know, we were talking about Olympic sports and recruiting and 
things along those lines. I said, you know, it's all through the travel ball and, and this coach and, and all the personal stuff. And I said, well, I said, it is and it isn't. I said, if your Olympics, if your swimming coach at your school is a legit swimming coach, college coaches will go to it. If your volleyball coach is a legit volleyball coach, your college coaches will communicate with you. If your coach is not a legitimate, that's what they do coach, then it's not going to happen. And the weight room is no different. If you are not, and I'm not saying you have to be sold out and that's the only thing you do and you can't, you know, there are plenty of great high school strength and conditioning coaches out there that are sport coaches as well. But if you don't really love this, then a lot of times, unfortunately, it, it, something's going to have to take a back seat. And I think that's where you'll see that blind kind of programming or I'm going to go get the University of Alabama's workout or I'm going to go get the University of Georgia's workout. I'll never forget, I was coaching, I was the coordinator of strength and conditioning at Western Carolina University. And this was, uh, golly, I'm old, so I apologize. I think it was like 2005, 2006. It was whenever Texas and Vince Young won a national championship. And uh, I remember our defensive coordinator said, well, you know, Texas won a national title. You know, we need to be doing Texas's workout. I said, great, coach, awesome. You bring me Texas's players, I'll give you Texas's workout. My DC didn't like that comment too much. Um, that's probably one of the reasons we never got along. That's okay. But, you know, that's, that unfortunately is a prevalent idea in high school strength and conditioning. I'm going to go get this college program and maybe I'll dummy it down a little bit. No, you can't. I was, I'll never forget. I was, uh, Joey Garacio was a very, very close friend of mine down at FAU. Social media people know Joey. And um, it was one, one time my family and I were going down to um, Key West. And I told my wife, I said, hey, we're going to drive by. We're going to make our way by FAU. I said, I want to stop by and see Joey. Probably about an hour out of the way, not a big deal. So what we did was we drove down, stayed at his house that night, and then drove over to Key West the next day. Well, I said, I told Joey what I wanted to do. He said, all right, the only thing you got to do, I'll, you know, I'll buy dinner. I'll, you know, uh, I'm a fan of cigars, so we smoke cigar too. Um, he says, but you got to come in and you got to come in early enough and I want you to clinic my staff. I said, okay, great. So we drove, we, we left really early here and we're just on the South side of Atlanta, drove down and into, uh, we got there. And, um, so I sit down with the staff and, you know, we start talking and talk the college game a little bit. And then we start talking about high school and they, and I, and one of the coaches like, what, how do, how could you relate high school strength and conditioning to us? And I said, okay, I said, this is the best way to do it, to relate it to college coaches. Take, I said, put the absolute positively worst athlete you have ever coached at the collegiate level. You're the worst one, the worst. I said, you got it in your mind? They said, yeah, that's my best. Now program for that. And I mean, you, you saw their eyes like, holy crap. You know, they started laughing and, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, how do you do it? And it's not a disrespect to any of our athletes, but the majority of our kids aren't going to be college athletes. And so guess what? We shouldn't do college programs, in my opinion. Uh, I was speaking at an event one time, and there was an unbelievably successful college coach, Hall of Fame guy there, and his new, at the time, his uh, big – deal was he was doing high school strength and conditioning he was going to write programs for high schools and you know he got up and actually that was like his whole talk so the next day I was going to speak and so I got up and probably for the first 15 minutes I apologized to him because I absolutely ripped him so I said there's no, no way you could have a concept or understand of what a high school has to deal with you can't tell me you do because you don't know you don't know about inputting grades. You don't know about lesson plans. You don't know about 
vertical and horizontal alignment. You don't know about having to do formative and summative assessment. Now, reality of it is they do. They just call it different things. But you don't know how you don't know having to go do car line. You don't know how you know you don't know all those things. Oh, and then by the way, I don't get to pick and choose who we go get. I get who we got walking through the door. I said you don't know that. So I think as the high school profession, you're still seeing a lot of that, unfortunately. And until we as an industry can uh, can get the recognition of the specificity of what we do from an overall whole, then it, it, it's it's going to be tough. There's no doubt. And I know that's why you know the NHSSCA is trying to. Uh, trying to get to athletic directors and trying to get to um, decision makers. I think the NSCA has, has done it as well. I know I think the NSCA was at the National Athletic Directors Association deal. Um, there's no doubt that those are arenas that our organizations need to be a part of because we, you know, un unless we get people like, okay, yeah, guess what? I leave Strong Rock and Gary Schofield's still there. They're going to have a really good strength coach regardless because he's going to go find one, you know. But unless we start getting people at those levels to understand the importance of what we do, it, it, it's going to be tough, and you'll still see people blindly program 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because you're talking about, you know, high school coaches. Oh, I'm going to get the University of Alabama's program or – uh, Texas's program. I mean, I've been in the high school realm for almost three going on the four years now. And I've seen that time and time again to where they're like, well, this school, they just won a state championship. We're, go we're going to copy their exact thing and or their exact program. And I mean, as a 24, 23, 25-year-old, I mean, even I was like, uh, well, you just can't copy the same program and expect the same results. That doesn't make any sense. It's like if I if I got a lesson plan from another teacher and taught the same lesson, I mean, I'm not going to teach it the exact same way as someone else would. And people learn on different levels and people progress at different levels. So that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, unfortunately, athletics is a copycat arena. It is. You know, you look at, you know, they always talk about the NFL being a copycat league. If something works, I remember a couple of years ago when everybody started doing the wildcat in, Ricky Williams at, at the Miami Dolphins was running wild all over everybody for a year. Every, then everybody had wildcat. And, you know, it, it, athletics is just that way, unfortunately. And you don't have a lot of people who think outside the box. You don't have a lot of people who critically evaluate what you do and how you're doing it. Uh, as strength coaches, I think we don't – we probably – as an industry don't critically evaluate what we do ourselves enough. Um, I'm blessed in the fact that I have somebody who critically evaluates every stinking thing I do in my boss, but I don't look at that as a bad thing. Younger strength coach, I may have struggled with it, to be honest with you. You know, I, I think, do we have all have egos? 100%. If you are a good coach, you have an ego. It's okay. But in mine and Gary's relationship, I want that. I, I, I yearn for that critical evaluation because at the end of the day, I know we're going to be better for it. And again, going back to that whole idea I talked about performance, the bottom line to me is our kids play better. That's it. That, that is it is our kids are better on the field. And if it's me swallowing my pride, okay, great. I'll do that for us to get a couple more W's. I ain't got no problem with that. Uh, but, again, that's, that's a tough thing to do. I'm not going to say as a young coach I would have done that. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't. Have. I would be looking over my shoulder, you know, uh, that conversation I had with my head of school, I probably wouldn't have re recommended somebody else like that. You know, I, I don't know. But I think that 
as coaches, we've got to understand that we don't have all the answers. And we have to sometimes let the people who got those kind of answers, you know, let them run with it. So. Absolutely. And let's kind of change gears here. So that was one part of the topics we talked about. So you're obviously been in the game for 20 plus years. I mean, everyone's made mistakes. I made mistakes the last two years. I probably made a mistake last week. Um, I mean, what are some mistakes that you made that you want, I guess, upcoming coaches or younger coaches to know and realize and not make the same mistake? A um, couple of them. You know, when I when I brought this idea up, there were just some things that uh, been on my mind. And, you know, the first thing I would think goes back to my tip in the respect of make sure you follow up. But also make sure you had take advantage of the opportunities when you have people in front of you to connect with them. Uh, from a professional standpoint, I was so long for so long. I, when I would go to different events, I would just hang out with those people that I knew and was comfortable with. And I really did not network as well as I could have. And I think that probably hurt me a little bit in my profession. And um, I say that, and I've been pretty, I, I, you know, I, I think I've been pretty successful. So I, I think that would definitely be a mistake. It's again, the, the next thing definitely is make sure the main thing always stays the main thing. And that goes back to that performance piece. You get in our industry and you see how do you evaluate a strength and conditioning coach? How do you know if they're any good? How do you know if, you know, and, and whether it's numbers and lifts and all this kind of stuff. But the reality of our profession, in my opinion, especially at the high school level, is the kids. Make sure you don't miss out on an opportunity to connect with your kids as opposed to, you know, oh, you're the best bench presser, or the best squatter, or the best cleaner, or you have the highest perks. Don't miss out on an opportunity to connect with kids uh, as opposed to kids who just can, you know, lift heavy weights and things along those lines. Um, that's, you know, we were supposed to do this yesterday and I had to cancel because I had a funeral to go to and, and I would do it all over again because, um, one of my kid, one of my students, football players lost his dad. And, you know, I lost my mom very abruptly at a pretty young age. And I can relate to what that young man's going through. I can't tell you all the things because nobody will ever be able to do that. But, uh, you know, my heart goes out to him. And, you know, I got to – the kid was in my class the next day. His dad passed away that at the, after, the Tuesday afternoon. He was in my class on Wednesday. You know, how do you, how do you prepare for that? Where, tell me anywhere in the essentials of strength conditioning, they, they tell you how to deal with that. Or I had a kid – I'll never forget, I was at East Carolina – and I had one of my girl golfers walk in my office bawling and crying, saying, I want to kill myself. Where, where, what, what certification is going to have you take, you know, know how to prepare you for that? It doesn't. And you don't know how to deal with that typically until you're going through it. But if you're connecting with kids on a daily basis and you're intentional about it, those catastrophic events in life are going to, you're going to be better prepared to deal with them. Not saying you're going to hit them out of, you know, you're not, not saying you're going to have that word that's going to make everything all better. But don't, don't, don't sacrifice those opportunities to connect with kids because you never know when that one time that that kid needs that one thing, you could be it. And I know for me personally, I probably, um, I probably missed the boat on that a couple of times. There's no doubt. I probably missed the boat uh, because I had to be this persona or I had to be this tough guy. Uh, I didn't. I didn't always do a great job of that. And you know, I'm I'm kind of making up for it now. And I'm blessed to where I think I can realize that. I'm blessed to where I have an opportunity to do that. And it's something I don't want to mess up 
you know, for sure. Um, other mistakes, I would definitely say never early on in my career, you know, 15 years, seven different jobs. You always were kind of looking. And the time that I spent, you know, looking and so on and so forth, I could have spent all that time being a better coach and it would have made a bigger impact because guess what? All the times that I was quote unquote looking, nothing ever happened. It didn't pan out. Uh, it was those opportunities where I'm just working my tail off, focused on doing, being a great job, doing a great job of where I am that somebody that that the, the next opportunity presented itself. And now to say that, I'm not saying you're, you don't always have your resume updated. You don't always have your portfolio tightened. No, I'm not saying that. But I do think as a young coach, I wish that I would have spent more time on developing myself as opposed to trying to get that next job. And, and that may have been just the college coach in me. I don't know. But that was definitely something I, I view of – I could have done a lot better. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, um, I wish I probably, I wish I would have, I wish I would have opened my mind up to different methods, different ideals, and different ways of doing things. I came from playing college football in the great state of Tennessee, by the way, at Cumberland University. Um, although I'm not a Vols fan, I'm sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> it's what but, it is. <laughs> but, I, you know, I spent playing college football, four years playing college football. Uh, you know, I started coaching literally the second I turned in my pads and, you know, never looked back. And I wish I would have really opened my mind up to more training methodologies earlier on in my career uh, because I think I, you know, I, I think that there, that could have been some shortcomings from professional standpoint. And I think it could have helped me a lot, probably with some Olympic sports at some of the places that I was at. And, you know, I, I think that was a, a mistake that I made early on is, oh, everybody's got a bench squat and clean. Everybody needs to be strong. Everybody needs to be explosive. You're correct. Everybody needs to be strong and explosive. But there's a lot of other ways to do it. There's a lot of other things you have to take into account to be successful. And, you know, our program at Strong Rock, we have a tremendous amount of differentiation with what we do and it's based off of sport classification. It's based off of training age and where the kid is physiologically, where the kid is mentally. And so I wish I would have understood that concept a lot better earlier on in my career. Um, and, and that would have been a mistake that I definitely uh, wish I would have not had to learn the hard way sometimes. Right, right. And I want to kind of backtrack on a couple of things that you said. One of them is, you know, build relations with your kids or spending time, you know, reaching out to those kids that you're working with. I mean, it's an old teacher saying that um, kids don't remember what they learn. They remember how you interact or they remember how you interact with them, what you say to them, um, how you treat them, things of that nature. And I mean, that's something even for myself, even today, you know, I'm, dealing with these kids and you know whatever I say and do I mean that's an impact on their life whether that be a little or a lot I mean that's still an impact that they have on their life and especially at a crucial time in high school um so that that was something that I really wanted to highlight the other one was uh job searching saying you know always looking for kind of a new thing or trying to find a new job or anything like that I kind of hit that now to where and I'm, I mean, I'm telling myself on the mic, I don't know if any of my admin or um, coworkers listen, but I mean, 
I sat there and I was, I've tweeted a lot and I've talked to my wife and I talked to friends a lot. I was like, I, I just want to get to, I just want to get to point B, right? I just, I just wanted to get to the end game, right? Um, you know, I'm going through as a teacher right now, teaching six classes, having a period of weightlifting football and doing some after school stuff, you know, like it's fine, but I want to get to my end result, my, my dream job. I mean, your first job in training conditioning or anywhere really, it's not going to be your dream job. I mean, there's, there's steps, there's the progress, there's a process along the way. And I think that's something important, especially for me to hear, but other young coaches that um, are even listening to this, I mean, something that they got to realize. I mean, well, it's, I'll tell you this before I took this job at Strong Rock, uh, I was at Charleston Southern. We had a good run at Charleston Southern. And one of my mentors, Jeff Connors, called me and says, Hey, I need you up here. Come back, come to East Carolina with me. I said, Okay. And I knew that I never saw Charleston Southern as the end, the end game in that respect. Um, it was actually my first job after getting fired for the first time. And so I was like, crap, you know, this is just going to be a transition. I was only thinking maybe one or two years there. It ended up being four. And I had an absolute blast. I loved my kids. Uh, it, it, it slowly moved from maybe something I could be for a while, but then the East Carolina thing came up and I said, Oh, I go to East Carolina. You know, we have success. I'll get that next big I'll get back to one a as a head guy. So I go to East Carolina and we had success. My first year we went to a bowl game. Uh, we won eight games that year. Um, Men's basketball, I was in charge of. We won the CIT, we won one of the postseason tournaments, and I got offered two head jobs. I'm like, man, these you know really good gigs. One was a division, one was a, a, a division one A job. One was a one double A. I still call it that. I can't call it the FBS FCS thing. Sorry, I'm too old. But and I I turned them both down. And part of the reason was. I'm looking at what we had coming back in basketball and what we had coming back in football. I was like, we're going to be better next year. So the next year we're better in football. We win 10 games, win the bowl game. You know, we finished in the top 25 in one of the postseason rankings um, at East Carolina. That's a good deal. You know, uh, boys, men's basketball went to back to back. Uh, postseason tournaments for the first time in like 20 years. Everything is, you know, all those boxes are getting checked. Everything like I'm going to get a really good job from this. And I heard nothing. Absolutely positively nothing. I was like, what the heck? What did I do wrong? We're better in football. We're, be you know, we're doing this. All the things I'm responsible for in my mindset are, are better. We're, we're, we, we've dotted all the I's, we've crossed all the T's. I should be getting this next job. And it didn't happen. And uh, just as things work out in God's plan, I definitely believe in that. You know, I get an email on a Tuesday from one of my high school, former high school coaches about Strong Rock. And, uh, Long story short, things worked out by that after, by that evening. I was on a phone interview with the athletic director and the principal. So, um, you know, it was about a month right then and there that I was like, what the heck did I do? How did I screw this up? And, you know, it, it wasn't that I did anything wrong. It was just good Lord's plan and design that said, okay, hey, right now you're going to have to wait. And it was a struggle, trust me, it was a struggle, but it's not something that I didn't appreciate because I, rec you know, hindsight, I can recognize why I needed to go through that. And anytime that you have situations in that, I think in your life, a lot of times it's that season of your life that we have to go through to get you prepared for that next role. 
it gets you ready for that next situation. Um, since I've been at Strong Rock, I've been offered a ton of jobs. And the crazy part about it is um, I haven't really been looking. It's I'm doing a good job. I'm, I'm working my tail off where I am. And I'm making sure that what I'm doing is is the right thing and that I'm, I'm staying connected to the people that have impacted me and that's helped. And so, you know, I've had multiple opportunities to leave, but nothing has been a situation that I'm like, okay, I've got to go. This is where I need to be. Um, I had a, I had a good friend of mine create a job for me and I was just, you know, and I ended up saying that ah, probably not the right situation. Um, but I think what you've got to do as a coach is again, like I said, head down, focus on what you, you know, the main thing, which is where you're at and the things will take care of them. And I know it's cliche, trust me, I get that. Um, but if you do a great job with where you are, the, the thing, you know, God's plan will work out for you and you'll see that. And I firmly believe that. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow. I think for any coach, really, um, especially younger guys, you know, just want, just want to keep advancing, just keep advancing, just want to keep going, keep going until eventually reach their end game. And I mean, we want to get from point A to point B so quickly. And, um, you know, it, it's all in God's timing. Like you said, like there's, there's some, some things that, I mean, coaches are growing, have to go through and maybe staying at the place for two or three years, maybe six months, maybe staying somewhere for the next 10 years. I mean, it's not your plan. Yep. Amen. All right. So we are going to change segments here. We're going to go on to what's called Twitter Q&A. Okay. So made a little post out, I think yesterday, about um, any questions that people on Twitter want to ask you. And we have one from Travis Mash said, was uh, was Louie 100% correct? If not, what did he do wrong? Is Louie 100% correct? Okay, so I'm going to give you a little history lesson here. Most people don't know, well, now, unfortunately, most people really aren't aware of the level of power lifter that Travis Mash was. And if you were in the game when I was back in the early 2000s, you didn't know Travis Mash as an Olympic lifting guy. You knew Travis Mash as one of the best 198 or 220 guys in the world. And probably at its peak, its height of geared power lifting uh, was, was when Travis was one of the best. And my uh, back in 2006, when I was uh, finishing up my time at Western Carolina, Travis actually came down and, and visited with us. And um, so I've known Travis a very long time. And, and, and you know, it's, it's been neat to see his progression with the Olympic weightlifting and, and the success that he's had with that. But to go to what Louie was um, – was Louis Wright? I'll never forget the first time I met Louis Simmons. I was at a I was at the North Carolina Strength Coaches Association clinic. Ethan Reeves put it on at Wake Forest, and this was probably about two thousand, maybe January, February two thousand four. And I'm sitting in the front row, and my assistant sitting right next to me, and I was the head strength coach at Western Carolina, and. We're sitting there, and Pavel, I can't pronounce the guy's last name, uh, the kettlebell guy is up talking. And this is before, really before people had kettlebells in the weight room. It was not very popular at all. And so he's up talking. I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. And he was doing a great job of demoing. And I think the one thing that stuck out to me was he was talking about how this is how kettlebells can help your deadlift. I was like, okay. He's relating to kind of the, some of the stuff we did. I was like, I like that. And 
we're sitting there and he's doing presentation. So, and, and if you've ever been to a strength conditioning clinic, you know, nobody sits on the front row except for Garrett Keith. But uh, I'm sitting there and I'm looking and, and I hear this nasally twang. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. And I look over and it's Louie. I was like, holy crap. And so I talked to him for a little bit, really neat. Um, obviously the persona with Louie and Louie spoke later that, he, that afternoon. So that was my first uh, foyer into meeting Louis. Uh, but to say as is Louis right, I think everything has to be taken in with context. And I think that's the most important piece of it. Um, I think Louis was right in the respect of he hit a home run with certain things and I think Louie probably was wrong in some areas where he didn't understand um, the mindset of other, you know. Louie had the opportunity, the blessing of dealing with unbelievable athletes. One of my training partners when I was at Kent State uh, trained out of Westside when he was younger. And Louie was, the benefit of what Louie had the opportunity of was he was around unbelievably driven passionate people who wanted to excel and uh, everybody's probably seen west side versus the world i bought it when it first came out and i remember i was at a conference when it uh, came out digitally and i'm in the back downloading it so i can have it on my own computer um and you know the people who aren't highly driven and highly focused at Westside wash out. You see that in the, uh, you see that in the, the movie. And so I think where Louis probably didn't do, I wouldn't say necessarily was wrong, but where Louis would be, where Louis would struggle would, would be with the typical athlete, like what we deal with or all the kids that walk in your weight room at the high school level, highly driven, highly focused, highly motivated. No, we've got to get it out of them. You know, for years, I hated being the rah-rah guy. But I also understand now the importance of having to do some of that stuff. Because guess what? My high school kids, I had to do it. I'll never forget, at East Carolina, my Coach Connors would say, we were in a staff meeting, and he says, I absolutely hate when basketball comes in here. And he's like, he's like because you start yelling and you don't stop. He's like, I have to shut my door and put earplugs in. Because my basketball guys weren't really, they were basketball guys. They weren't there to lift weights. They didn't care about that crap. They were, you know, they cared about shooting threes and dunking on folks. And that was it. And guess what? They do that walking through the door at the Division I level. It's not like I have to develop them to do that. So I had to trick those guys. So I had to be a stinking uh, bouncing off the walls crazy for those guys to respond. And it worked. Um, there are times in our in my room, I have to be that way with our kids. There are times where I don't need to be that way. Um, it, you know, so I think where if Louie was right, he was, a, he was a lot more right than he was wrong. If Louie was wrong, I think it's probably understanding um, the importance of motivating an athlete that is unmotivated. Uh, from a training standpoint, when you, you know, uh, I'm going through some of my studies right now and I'm reading a book actually by Ian Jeffries. I just finished it this morning. I'm looking at it right now. Effective coaching and strength and conditioning pathways to superior performance. <clears throat> and in that book, a lot of it talks about how you may have the best program ever written out. But if it's not done with intent <clears throat> and passion, then it's going to be worthless. You could have the worst program ever written out, but if it's done with intent and passion, it's going to reap great results. And I think that's where we as coaches have to really focus on. And I think probably if Louis missed the boat, you know, is the fact that, um, most people have to 
deal with the unmotivated athlete as opposed to the motivated. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's also, you know, just different generation now. Oh, no I mean, doubt. I mean, like uh, being a teacher and being a coach, I mean, kind of see both ends of the spectrum, not just an athlete standpoint, but a student standpoint. I mean, nowadays students are really not that motivated to do much. And I mean, yeah, it's, you're going to have to be maybe the rah-rah guy. I mean, I mean, I remember coming up in class and like I'm bouncing off the walls trying to teach kids biology. I mean, biology's cut dry. I mean, you sit there talking about mitosis and meiosis and cell division. I mean, that stuff would put you to sleep. I mean, yeah. you had to motivate these kids. And I mean, it's no different than a high school athlete. You're going to have to yeah. motivate them. Most times, if not, they're forced to be there. Not really their own choice. Oh, yeah. So, so. Um, kind of wrapping things up here. So, the last segment we have is Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So, this is where you and I will, will shout out basically a specific coach in the industry that's making the impact. Hmm, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I would say um, the guy that I've always admired from a connection standpoint is Micah Kurtz, who's a good close friend of mine. Uh, he just has done an, un he does an unbelievable job with connecting with his kids. He does an unbelievable job sharing via social media, um, whether it's stuff with, he does with uh, USA football or stuff he does with Oak Hill Academy. It's uh, he's a guy that I, I, I'm a huge fan of. Kind of wrapping things up. Thank you Tobias for, coming on and uh even rearranging our schedules a little bit to yeah. you know to make this happen and for you to come on and uh give your insights and give us a better insight into the profession and you know learning from your mistakes and what coaches can do going forward uh it was completely awesome man thank you well, i appreciate it and that's another episode of the Contra Chats. please follow our social media platforms at Contra Chat podcast on twitter and on tiktok as well also, follow, follow Tobias on his social media platforms as well. And the name Strength, stay strong, and have a day today.